Well, welcome back into what is our 14th week looking through Mark's Gospel, taking a deep dive into this. And it's so great that you can be with us today. Even with one or two slight technical hiccups, uh, we're still here and we're still worshipping God and we're still delving into God's message. So let's just pray together. A gracious, loving God, we give you thanks for this time. We give you thanks that we can delve into your word found in the Bible. Lord, open it up to us today that we may hear your words speak into our lives. We pray this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we move into chapter 6 of Mark's Gospel, we actually leave behind those, in chapter 5, those healing miracles, and we actually move into a different section within the Bible. We kind of start to hear some of people's responses back to Jesus. And specifically, we're going to look at a few responses that people had to the person of Jesus and to what he's been doing. And I'd really like to actually explore in this a number of really important concepts for us as Christians, as believers, and as those people who are thinking about being Christian and want to step into it. There's some interesting concepts, important things for us to hear. Because when you become a Christian, one of the most profound things that you need to know is that you as a follower of Jesus... Or you, as you are starting to step into that journey of being a disciple, and discipleship happens and starts even before you make that decision to say yes to Jesus. Discipleship is that process of starting to learn who Jesus is, what he's done for you. And as you start to do this and you step in and you make that decision for Christ, there's something so profound for us that you are no longer the old person that you were but you are new, you're created new. And I just want to share with you a piece piece from the Bible from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 through verses 14 through to 17. And, And let me just read it here. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that he also died, we also have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that we could receive his new life with no long, with longer lives for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely as a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that everyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. See, that's so powerful, so important for us to actually understand that we have a new life in Christ. The old has passed away and the new has begun. And see, through this journey of discipleship, it is actually about life change. It's about how your life changed from what was to what God wants you to be, to something new and amazing. It's a journey of love that's found through Jesus Christ flowing through us and making a difference in our lives in a new creation because the old is gone and the new has begun. However, I want to say this, and I want to say this right up front. For those of you who may be new to faith, who stepped into saying yes to Jesus, placed your trust in Jesus, People will know you as that old person and will continue to look to you as that old person and not the new person. 
They will focus back onto who you were, not who you are becoming. And the same is also true for those who may have been in the faith for a long period of time, all of their lives, or most of their lives, or even just a few months or years. What will happen is people will look back to times before you said yes, and they will continue to evaluate you based on that. See, in the reading that we had just a moment ago, um, which came from, from Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through to 13, you actually see how the people of Jesus' hometown couldn't actually understand who Jesus was. They couldn't get past the fact that he was a person that they grew up with. He was a person that was the carpenter. He was the person that was Mary's son. He was the person that... They were all these things. So what's this talk about healing? What's this talk about Messiah? What's this talk about Son of God? They couldn't comprehend it. They couldn't put it together. All they did was they went back and they looked at who they knew. The past. They looked backwards. And it's it's so important for us to actually understand that because, you know, let, let me just share that little section, you know, because... One of the things that happens is that Jesus would do this routinely. He'd go into a town and, and as, as a prophet, as a, as a teacher, they'd be, the local synagogue would invite him to come and share God's word for them, to read a passage of scripture and explain what they did. And he, he did that back in his own hometown. And then people suddenly go, but isn't he the carpenter? Isn't he the son of Mary? You know, they, could, they just couldn't actually connect who Jesus is back to his childhood. They couldn't see that. And, and it's so important for us to actually start to understand that. that. That's what happens to us as well. As we've said yes to Jesus, our life changes. The old is gone and the new is coming and our life will change our patterns of behaviour, the things we'll do, the things that we seem important, the, the, the time and places we put our energy into will change over time. And people will go, but I knew this old person and I don't know the new person. I want to share with you a few things that um, will allow us to actually understand and delve into some of the reasons behind this. And the first is this, that people see what they want to see. You know, let me say that again because it's really important. People see what they want to see. And, and it goes, goes for us as well. You know, I, I, all of these things I'm going to say is actually stuff that talks to me as well. And hopefully we'll talk to you as well as Christians. But it also helps us understand how people who are outside of the Christian faith start to see us and always will go back to past. See, it, it, it's, it, have you ever noticed somebody that kind of sees what they want to see. You know, you might see something, you might understand something, and somebody else will give you a completely different opinion. You know, you start to see things differently. I don't want, you know, the crazy, wild, out there theories or conspiracy theories, because we all know some people like that, don't we, that have, you know, um, the, the way out theories. It's just that people will see us for what they want to see. That we, we, we all have preconceived ideas. We all have a selective and biased view within our world. And, and these, are, these are biased views 
selective views. They're all based upon our perceived ideas, our interests, our desires, our fears. And this fears is actually really important in all of this too. But it, have you noticed this? You know, one of the things that um, we as a family had to do or, you know, is that um, our car got uh, into an accident. Well, you know, it was hit by another car and it was written off and we had to go and buy a new car. Have you ever noticed that whenever you start to suddenly put in your mind about something that that will keep on appearing time and time in front of you? Uh, you know, you, you may not have noticed this, but for us, there were so many more car ads on TV. Not that they necessarily think that there were more car ads on TV, it's just that our notion and our thoughts already said we're starting to pay attention to it, seeing them. We're not just dismissing it. We're, it's already heightened for us. And so we have this notion that we, we're seeing stuff there. Or you, you choose a particular brand of car and suddenly you see that everywhere you're driving. And that, that car is the one that you start to see. It's because your perception has started to prime this. And see, this is the same for, for the people in the town where Jesus was, uh, his hometown, is that they could only see Jesus as the little boy, as the one that grew up with them, as the carpenter, as the son of Mary, and, and the brothers. They couldn't see him beyond that. The, the second point I want to make is that people get stuck in the past. Have you noticed this, how some people get stuck in the past? No matter what's happening right now, that they will always go, oh, but... It was better back then. Or, uh, you know, the old way of doing this is always the best way. Or, you know, um, it was better last year. Or it was better, you know, stuck in the past. Sometimes we, we do this for a number of reasons. Uh, and, and it's related to our memories. And it's related to, to how we felt. We, we actually um, engage in our memories uh, when something is really good we engage pathways in our memories that remember that. And so when we're encountering something new and we're a little bit unsure about it or don't know where it's going or what's happening or it's beyond our experience, we'll go back to those pathways that had a good memory and we'll go, this was better in the past. We go back. It's also, the flip side's also true. You know, things that have hurt us, things that have given us pain or fear or, you know, will be the things that will all be also written into our memories and well, and we'll go back and we'll, that will be something that will speak to us. You know, when we look back into the past, it's not always the good. We often remember the bad. We often remember the pain. We often remember the hurt that has happened to us. And so we often live in the past and people will continue to live and get stuck in the past and can't push beyond those things. They can't make new memories. They can't make new points. They want to stay in the past because they felt it was better. Which brings me to the third point I want to make, why, why people, and especially you know, today, why, why people are fearful, why people may not uh, want to see you step into faith and, and may challenge you that, and why they keep on looking backwards, is because people... And I know, I'm a, I know I've been guilty of this, and I'm sure, as I say it, that, that you will say, yes, I've been guilty of doing this as well. 
is that people actually don't believe that you can actually change. Or the, the flip side of that, they actually don't want you to change. They want you to stay as you were. Or they don't believe that you've got the capacity to change. They go, you are always going to be this person. You will never be somebody else. We'll lock you into this point and you'll be there. It, it, often, it, it comes down to our thinking, you know, the leopard can't change its spots. You know, that actually goes into the, the whole point about saying that, you know, the thing is that there are some innate things that people are saying that you will always be, and that's not true. We, 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 we're not bound by a past. We're not locked into what has happened, you know. And when people say, I don't want you to change, it's because they've got a vested interest in keeping you in that place. They've got a vested interest in keeping you from joining within to becoming a disciple of Jesus, to, to actually having a life full of hope and wonder. See, God wants you to be a new creation. God wants you to have a life that is above all things. God wants you to have a new beginning because, as it says, the old has gone away and the new has come. And I love the part within, when, when we talk about having a baptism, we actually are talking about washing away the old and having the new born again. You know, when Jesus spoke with Nicodemus about you, you have to be born again. It's about having a new life, not staying in the old life, but into a new one. And we become a new thing, and that we, we must rejoice in it. God changes us. God brings us into, into a new place, into a new understanding of who we are. We are seen through the eyes of God. And I love how how it's phrased because we are wonderfully made. We are the masterpiece of God. Each and every one of us are God's masterpiece. And this is not a one-off thing. This is a journey. This is a process. This happens continually. Whether you are new or whether you've been in the faith for a long time, this journey of discipleship, this journey of growth, this journey of the new person coming out continues to carry on. And, and, and there will be always... People that want to hold you back. <coughs> Excuse me. And this brings me to the next part of the story. And how did Jesus, when the people in his own town, hometown, when they were saying, well, who is this? Their unbelief. How did Jesus respond with that? You know, one of the things that you can do is you can kind of get upset. Excuse me for a sec. <coughs> you can be upset. You can get down at the dumps. You can get in a funk about it all and just go be discouraged and disheartened that you're not, a, they're not seeing the new person. They're not seeing the change. They, they don't want me to be this. So what happened? And let, let me just delve back into this. Let me just read it again for you so you can actually understand what, what Jesus was doing. And, and this is Jesus. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people, and he called his 12 disciples together. So no, notice what Jesus did. He didn't stop. He didn't go, oh, well, you know, woe is me. You know, how could I possibly, you know, I, I could only perform a few miracles, you know, a few healings and things like that, and I couldn't do major things because of their unbelief. He didn't stop. He kept going. He kept moving. He kept pushing. 
He kept on preaching the good news, telling people about God, about getting people to change their lives, to continue to follow. And then he did something even more intrinsic because what has happened? You've got the disciples who who had been following him and had come with him to his hometown, seen what's going on, and suddenly they see that he's not welcomed. And he's been told, and he's even said, you know, a prophet is, is welcome in most places except in his home, own hometown. And, and he's, he's got this lesson for the disciples, and he's got this lesson for us. That, you know, there will be people who won't believe in you. There will be people who won't want you to change. There will be people who will not see you for who you are, which is wonderful and beautifully made in God's image. And they won't want to pull you down. They want to pull you back to who you were before you met Christ. But what does Jesus do with the 12 disciples? What does he do with the 12 disciples? He called them together and then he sent them out two by two. And he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and he told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals but not take a change of clothes. And wherever he said, he said, stay in the house until you leave town. But if a place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you've abandoned these people to their faith. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. See, here is the challenge. There will be people in our lives that will want to pull us back, that won't want to listen. And what Jesus is actually teaching them, and this is a concept, it's about... He's teaching them about a person of peace, people of peace. He's actually saying, go out and find somebody that likes you, find somebody that's going to listen to you, and find somebody that serves you. So he's sending them out without all of the things they need, without the money, without the things. So they've actually got to rely on people. And they've got to rely on people, first of all, who listen to them and who like them and want them to be a part of this and to know who and to want the best for them and, and will also offer them housing, will offer them food, will offer them shelter, will offer them security. And he says, stay there and keep on teaching them because that person has already leaned in and wants to know what God's message is for their lives. And so he's actually teaching them to start to understand and know who a person of peace is so that they can speak into their lives. And this is such an important point for us to understand in our discipleship journey that we're not defined by our past. And when people do want to drag us back there, we need to step up and say, maybe that's not the person for us. Maybe that's the person that is trying to hold us back, bring us back, don't want us to move forward. We may actually need to shake the dust off our feet and move forward to find somebody that wants to listen to us, who likes us, who wants to serve us, who wants to be a part of that, finding a person of peace. See, the thing is, we always need to remember this. And this is really important for us to actually understand. You are more than your past mistakes. It's so important for us to actually know this, that you are more than the mistakes that you've made previously. So many people want to hold you to account for mistakes. God wants to release you from the mistakes. God wants to set you free because the old is gone and the new has come. So let's just pray together. Let's just pray for God to speak into our lives today. 
even in a time, a time and place where we couldn't, you know, Jesus couldn't be seen of who he is, to understand that he was the Messiah, we are still in a place where for some of us, people are coming against us. People are trying to hold us back. People are trying to put you back into the past and not where you could be. So let's just pray. Let's just ask a blessing for each and every one of us. Oh, gracious God, we just give you, we give you thanks that even in the times when people continue to want you to go backwards, continue to hold you down, continue to say, how could you have changed? Give us the hope. Give us the reassurance. Give us the joy that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Give us the understanding that, yes, we are made up of all of the things that we've done in the past. But when you look at us, God, you don't see those mistakes. You don't see the things that we may have done wrong. You see Christ. When we take Jesus on, we are seen through God's eyes as Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ is upon us, and that's the saving grace for us. But Lord, as we are disciples, as we are continuing our journey of deepening our faith, our understanding, our knowledge of Jesus Christ, about his words, his ways, and his works, help us understand that this speaks to us as well. Let us not be a person that continually stays in the past. Let us not be a person that won't see a person for the change and the potential. Let us not see a person for whom God sees as amazing. But let us be discerning. Let us be mindful. Let us be prayerful in all that we do. Lord, point out in our lives when we have held somebody back and saying they couldn't possibly have changed. And Lord, we repent of that. We ask for your forgiveness upon this. We ask that you will lead us and change us. And Lord, today we ask that right now, that you will come and speak into our lives. And, it, and I know God is speaking to somebody now, right now. He wants you to give your life to him. He wants you to know that you are not defined by the things you've done, by the mistakes you've made, by the hurt that may have happened, whether you've caused it or it's been caused to you. God forgives, God renews, and God grows and leads you to become this beautiful new creation. So God is calling you right now to place your trust in him. So I pray that you will say with me right now, I trust in Jesus Christ. I believe in Christ. I want him as my Lord and Saviour. Lord, we just pray this in the power of Jesus' name. We pray this into our lives and into the lives of those around us. May people know the blessing of God Almighty. Amen.